Oh, she's done it. Brilliantly executed. Incredible stuff. The whole family are watching on in anticipation. And yes, there's the final nail in the chicken coop. Dad's been promising to build for a decade. And don't the kids just love it? Coming in for the final turn. He's gone to the left, a little bit to the right. Dodged the hills, hoist. Grass clippings flying in his wake. Precision mowing doesn't get any better than that. They've really set their sights high for this one. A pizza oven, water feature and a new deck all by the end of lockdown but is it too much too soon only time will tell he's a do-it-yourself legend in the making welcome to the sport of gardening here's your host dale vine and jay neal and it is so good to have your company on another edition of the sport of gardening whether you're listening via podcast or on your radio on SEN and SEN track on a sunday morning I'm Jane Neild. I'm a mad keen gardener, a podcast and radio producer, and I don't mind jumping behind the microphone every now and then as well. And my co-host is Dale Vine, otherwise known as Dale from the Block. Hmm. Of course, Dale and his wife Sophie won a tiny little sum back in 2012 on the Block with an incredible renovation. And Dale's also doing the professional landscaping thing now and the father of three children and an author of the book, Dale Vine's Outdoor Renault Guide. So he has the credentials. (laughs) How are you, Dale? I'm good, Jane. Thank you. Lots of footy happening at the moment. We have a feast of AFL. Are you kind of still feeling positive about your Bombers? Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to watch most games too because I do love watching the footy. Sort of get to about half time and you you tend to see who's going to win that game at the moment. Yeah, so so even with the shortened game, I'm still not lasting a whole one at the moment unless it's the Bombers playing, yeah. You know, my prediction is that because everyone got into the garden when I saw a hit and there was no sport and everyone's just done everything they sort of can, with like 20 consecutive days of AFL, I reckon there will be lawns growing very long, <laughs> weeds completely yeah. going off yeah, in the garden. probably not wrong there. Yeah. <laughs> As the excuse of, well, there's no footy, you can help. Yeah, very true. Goes no. out the window. There'll be some tallies <laughs> blowing up too, I reckon, from being on too much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let it cool down for at least a day. <laughs> hey, we've got a special check-in today, Dale. Yes. Uh, because, of course, the block is coming back oh, onto yeah. our TV screen sure soon. Is. I've been lucky enough to do a podcast called Homestyle with Shana Blaze. Yeah. Yes. which you can get on your podcast app, Talking Design. So I thought I'd check in with someone who has had the experience on okay. the block, just like you do. Cool. Hello to Dale's wife, Sophie, oh. <laughs> at home with the kids. Hello, Sophie. Hello, Jane and Dale. <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> when you said someone from the block, I didn't realise it'd be from my house, but that's fine, yeah. I know, Sophie, you've got the kids there. We've got little Dulcie in the background wanting to get on the radio oh, as be well. On. She'll be very vocal, yep. <laughs> Firstly, before we get to block, how's Dale going as an ISO dad? Because throughout the, the time we've been on this show together, he has done a great job. He's obviously working and then doing the dad thing, giving you a bit of a break as well. Out of 10, how's he sort of rated in the last couple of weeks, So could say he hasn't done a great job, but I would be lying. 10 <laughs> out of 10. <laughs> and has he been in the garden much? Because I know there's a few things. Dale's been talking about sort of maybe moving veggie beds and that, or are you just trying to get him to focus on the house at the moment and forget about the garden during winter? Well, look, it doesn't have to be isolation for Dale to be stuck in the garden. So it's it's an all-year-round thing with him. But I did try and hope that my little list that might not be garden-related would get ticked off. But it's Not quite there. How do you ever tick process. that off? It grows every day, that list. <laughs> 
I've learned is it's got to be got to be on his list, and so I've just got to take the jobs as they come, and hopefully they get ticked off. Maybe not in the order I would like them, but they do get ticked off. <laughs> she got a nice job ticked off the other day, Jane, that she had no idea was was even a job she wanted done. Which was um, I put a vertical garden on the front of her studio, which makes it look nice. So. <laughs> just a vertical yeah. garden, Sophie. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's not one of the things we needed done. <laughs> We've got door handles that are falling apart. The seems like a priority at the moment. Yeah, mental health. You've got to keep everybody I was actually going to say, like, a doorknob being fixed doesn't quite lift your mood as much as a, nah, a vertical that's right. garden. Exactly. Take us back to 2012 when you and Dale were on the block, pre-kids, no one there, you know, like, obviously it's a full-on being a full-time mum. Was it the most intimidating and scary thing you'd ever signed up to do in your life? Absolutely, without a doubt. It was just so daunting, but so incredibly exciting, even even with the unknown before you. It's hard to even explain. It was just the best. One was enough for me. And for anyone wanting to tackle a massive renovation or even potentially go on a show like that, of course, the cameras are rolling. Would you do it again if you had your chance or would you say to people, be a bit careful, it's pretty intense? So I would definitely say to do it, but when I see some of the seasons and couples, rightfully so, feel quite overwhelmed, I would say to still go in with a bit of caution and to know what you're getting yourself into. But of course, without having ever done it before, it's hard to know what you're walking into until you're in it. And how's your business going? Tell us your business name and what you've been busy uh, doing even during COVID lockdown. Uh, It's called Vines of the Wild. It's a little online store for nature play and encouraging kids to get outside and to use, play with things, natural materials and yeah, just to kind of go back to simpler times, I suppose, and to encourage that kind of play that is hard to find with the devices and the indoor time that that kids sort of generally spend these days. Of course, we've got listeners all around Australia, but if you are in Melbourne or Victoria, we're in lockdown. The kids are going stir crazy. So Vines of the Wild, love the name. Jump on and uh, find some alternatives for them to play with. Dale, we're going to let Sophie go. Do you have any questions for her now she's on national radio? <laughs> uh, no, I, I'll check the list when I get home tonight and see the new jobs that will be on there for sure. So. <laughs> There'll be a few. Yeah. You need a moratorium on the jobs list, Sophie. Give him three weeks and then you can start adding again. Fair enough. Thank you so much for being on the sport of gardening. Get out into the garden and enjoy your day with the kids. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Barb. See you later, Bye. darling. That's Sophie Vine, their little ISO check-in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good to hear that you guys are keeping busy at home. Oh, we're busy. Don't worry about that, Jane. <laughs> now, in my backyard, Dale, I've been tackling a little bit of weeding and planting, yes. which has led me to our guest today. Later in the show, we are going to talk to Adam Grubb, who is the co-author of the Weed Foragers Handbook. What a good name to get into something horticultural. Adam Grubb. Grubb, yeah. Oh, sometimes it's just destined, yeah. isn't it? Vine, so, Grubb, there you go. Exactly. We're all anyone with names, surnames <laughs> in the industry. Look, he is going going to tell us about what potentially is in our backyard that could be even well and truly more nutritious than the things I'm trying to plant. What? Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to get you to do some taste testing because oh, if you've noticed, God. I've bought in a lot. I have seen a, a jar of weeds <laughs> over there. I don't know, don't know if there's anything too nutritious looking to me, but oh, yeah, all right. You have got a lot to learn, Dale Vine. <laughs> and in just a moment, we are going to be chatting with an Olympian, Kerry Pothast OAM who was a gold medal winning beach volleyball player at the 2000 Olympics. She's been to the Olympics three times. And, of course, we should be in the midst of Tokyo 2020 right now. Yeah. 
not happening. How yeah. are our Olympians going? Well, Kerry's actually set up something that is going to help fans, sports lovers, people who are pining for the Olympics touch base with some of the okay. biggest names in the country. Cool. That's up next on The Sport of Gardening. You're listening to The Sport of Gardening with Dale Vine and Jane Neal. The Sounding Board with Craig Hutchison and Damien Barrett. It's sport, it's the media, it's talking about the issues that matter. Like you, I do say a lot more at those forums than you do on air. You don't say too much as interesting, mate. (laughs) You really don't. You're not really that quiet all day, mate. I don't mean to break it to you. But there's not a whole lot of things where I go away from the train. I wouldn't believe I don't mean to say this morning. I'd put it down to lack of interest rather than lack of lack of uh, that information getting out. I'd say it's hit many a desk. Everyone went, what demo is it? Not for our publication. We're going to have football's Howard and Costello, aren't we? Alistair is John Howard, the most influential leader of the Liberal Party ever. Looked back as the, the god of the modern prime ministership. Yep. Mitchell is Peter Costello. He's going to be sitting there in the chair saying, what are you going to do here? Are you going to hand the keys to me in two years or are you, are you going to leave me sitting here for another four or five? I think that is the situation that will happen. There. For drink-wise, stay safe and if if you're choosing to drink, please drink wise. The Sounding Board with Hachi and Damo. Subscribe and listen today wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Sport of Gun with Dale Vine and Jane Neal. Now, Dale, our ISO check-in this week, although she's probably not in complete isolation, is someone who has had her world turned upside down. Of course, right now we would have been in the midst of the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. Do you love watching the Olympics on the telly, Dale? I do, Jane, yeah. I really <laughs> love seeing the best of the best go at it all over the world. Well, while so many sports have already returned, we do have to think of the cream of the world's athletes who have worked for years, four years, four they years. worked towards yeah, exactly an right. Olympics, which has now been postponed. Our guest today is Olympian Kerry Pothast, OAM, and she's launched a new initiative, The Athlete's Story, a live and interactive virtual series which shares the stories of some of Australia's greatest Olympic and Paralympic athletes. And Kerry knows a thing or two about competing in the Olympics. She's a Hall of Famer, a three-times Olympian representing Australia in indoor and beach volleyball wow. at the 1996 Atlanta Games, Sydney 2000 and at 2004 in Athens. Kerry, thank you so much for joining us on The Sport of Gardening. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm excited to talk about gardening instead of sport. <laughs> well, we will get on to the athlete story, but I do hear a little rumour that you love your gardening. You were planning to be in Tokyo. Were you actually heading there or were you just sort of going to be watching it for weeks on end? Well, I was planning to be commentating the beach volleyball and unfortunately these days we do it from home. So I would have been in Melbourne in a little room locked away with a screen and and kind of just trying to soak up the atmosphere and and commentate, um, you know, the action live for Channel 7. Um, But, yeah, it would have been an amazing event had it been on right now, but it will still be an amazing event. Let's hope that, you know, we see it next year. Did you find that the garden was a place that you took to when the world just went crazy? Just as COVID hit, actually, I was selling my house. So I was in the garden a lot, getting it ready, making it look amazing. I'd spent many years um, planting a lot of beautiful um, palms and, um, you know, all sorts of easy care type plants around my swimming pool. And, you know, I barely water my garden. I'm, I'm a bit kind of, you know, lazy. I forget. So I'm, I make sure I put plants in that can look after themselves. Yeah. Freshening up the sand in your uh, 
home volleyball court there. And <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd had a, a space that was big enough for a court, but I actually just live up the road from Manly Beach, so ah, no need to do that. No need, yeah. <laughs> so look, most of us will never experience what you have, winning Olympic gold. So take us back to Sydney, the year 2000. You and your teammate Natalie Cook have dominated the beach volleyball and the competition in general. You win gold. What was it like stepping up to that dais and getting presented with a gold medal, not at just any Olympics, but in Sydney 2000. Take us to that moment. Well, we were waiting out the back, you know, after we'd won the the game and, you know, it was just all hell broke loose and we're waiting out the back and all of a sudden we get this um, little container of of uh, freshening up things like a hairbrush and some deodorant and, (laughs) you know, a few little bits and pieces that we could use to make ourselves look nice because... Um, the lady who actually passed this on to us was Deborah Hutton and she was a good friend of Natalie's and she knew that every single photo that would be taken you know, of us on the podium would go around the world 100 million times for many, many years and it certainly has and I look back at those and I think, oh my God, bad hair day. But, you know, <laughs> what, what can you say? But that was kind of a moment where we were like, oh, yeah, 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 you know, whatever. We didn't really realise how big a deal it was going to be and, you know, just standing on the podium and, you know, with Natalie, arms around each other, watching the flag go up and get that medal around your neck. You know, it's it's just a culmination. I heard you say before, four years. It's a culmination for most athletes of, you know, it could be 10 years, could be 20 years before you make it on top of the podium. So it was, yeah, it was something that I'll never forget. And, and the smile on, on my face was, was pretty much... Um, imprinted for a long time. I don't think I I didn't smile for many, many, many weeks, months after that. (laughs) And does your heart just break for especially the younger athletes and perhaps even athletes who are at the end of their Olympic journey, maybe this year was going to be the last, does it just break? I mean, they're hearing you talk about this moment in your life they're all aiming to achieve and this year, just no show. It's just all cancelled. It must be tough for people. My heart especially broke for those athletes who were at the end of their career. You mm. know, um, they're now going to have to push their bodies. They're going to have to, you know, emotionally get ready for another year of hard work. But, you know, as athletes are, we're, we're really good at kind of rolling with the punches, especially those who have actually been successful because you learn to roll with the punches. You learn to kind of, you know, pick yourself up. And in our game, it, you know, there were so many points in a game of, of volleyball. So if you make a mistake, you've got a chance to redeem yourself with the next point and then the next point, and then you make another mistake or you lose a point and, you know, you have to get up and, and continue on. So you just learn how to do that and you don't, you learn not to focus on the past. You learn to look forward and you learn to go, okay, well, this is where I'm going now. Here's how I'm going to get there. And then you just take each step at a time. So, you know, I think most athletes are coping with that. They've got a lot of support around them from their sports. Our sports have been amazing. The stuff that I've seen going around through the Olympic Committee, through, you know, the Australian Institute of Sports, through all the national sporting organisations, you know, the support is really, really good. Um, and if you're in a team sport, of course, you've got your teammates to lean on. So, you know, there's a lot of good stuff and even, you know, we should be focusing on the, the good part about, you know, let's go for another year. <laughs> Keep you fit for another year, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, tell us about the athlete story teaming up with Cuppa of Life Virtual Cafe, which is an online yeah. initiative where you can actually, you know, see some incredible conversations with some great people, have a cuppa and do it virtually. So still going, and it has been since the 24th of July, every night at 7.30pm, the athlete story has come up with an incredible list of athletes who will be taking the chance to have a virtual cuppa. So what's the concept about it? Is it just about sharing those stories? Absolutely. You, you nailed it on the head. Um, sharing the stories and inspiring the nation and inspiring the world during this time when the Olympics would have been on. So a few months ago when I heard the Olympics were going to be postponed, I said to myself, well, now's an opportunity to, to reach out to my Olympic network, and most of them are gold medalists and or multiple Olympians that I've met over time through events and things like that, and we've become friends, and just see if they'd come on board with me interviewing them on this series. Um, and, yeah, it just came about, and, and Luke Cook from the Cupper of Life Cafe, his, he pivoted with his business, um, during COVID and he, he put everything online and he interviewed me and I told him about my, my idea and he said, oh, that sounds like a great idea. Let's do it together. And it was born and it's been a lot of hard work in the last few weeks getting everyone together and then also um, researching all their, their background. I've, got to, I've really got to know a lot of the athletes and um, their backgrounds now and just I'm inspired by hearing all their stories every single night. Yeah. They all they are all people too, aren't they? So they they all have different ways of how they got into becoming a professional athlete and what inspired them to do it in the first place. But it's such a all the Olympians, it's such an individual thing, Jane. Like yeah. to get your body ready and the motivation to push yourself. Not always a team sport either. It's just it must be so hard. <laughs> so it's yeah, it'd be really cool to just watch them sit down, have a cuppa, and and just have a yarn about you know what pushes them and what um, motivates them into becoming some of the best in the world. Yeah, well, it's been great because being, obviously, having that background myself, you know, it's the questions that I can ask that I, I kind of know what they've yep. been through so yep. I can, you know, get into those sorts of stories. And, you know, one of the things that I'm now, like, heading towards is I've been speaking and telling my story for so many years. I actually now want to train and coach athletes in their transition and in their retirement on how to tell their stories. So that's yeah. kind of my next my next sort of four years because we always, you know, as athletes, we live in this four-year kind of period. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's my next thing. You're you know, like a I US president. A... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I vote myself in. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I want to do now is help other athletes share their story because it's so inspiring hearing Especially, you know, um, you know, we've had a couple of Paralympians on. We've had yep. um, some athletes that have just gone through some really tough times, and how they've been able to cope and get through, and then succeed at the, you know, the level they have has been incredible to yep. hear. So, still to come on the Cuppa of Life Virtual Kathy. Sorry. So still to come on the Cuppa of Life uh, program, Andrew Hoy and Kurt Fernley on the 3rd of August, Steve Hooker and Tom Slingsby, Dean Lucan. Now, I'm an SA girl. He was a champion weightlifter and a tuna farmer from oh, Port yeah. Lincoln back in the day. The heavy tuna, yeah. Yeah, he's teaming up with Jeff Horn. And then, look, to wrap things up on the 9th of August, Kieran Perkins and Anna Mears. I mean, that is an incredible yeah. conversation to have a cup or two, isn't it? Yeah, look, I'm really, really stoked, really appreciative of, of these guys giving their time. And there's been such a wide variety of 
um, athletes from different sports. I've, I think I've got over 22 different sports represented, Olympics and Paralympics, you know, gold medalists, multiple Olympians. Uh, we had James Tompkins on, who's been to six Olympic Games. Um, people just at their first and only Olympics and, you know, um, the other night we were talking to Duncan Armstrong. He lined up on the on the pool deck, 48th in the world. Two minutes later, he was the world record holder and gold medalist. Mm. You know, so just incredible. And people can still see those interviews. I've got them on YouTube, um, and my YouTube channel is called The Athlete Story. So they'll be there forever for people to listen to as well. Cool. Oh, fantastic, because we have people listening to the show via podcast who might catch us after the official uh, events. So great to know that's always going to be there. Are there any other Olympians? and athletes you know who are into their gardening is there like a little sort of secret gold medal gold medal winning gardening club not that I know of guys I'm sorry I can't help you there but look I'm sure that you know part of being so focused on sport you really need to find something to balance you out and and being outside and you know in the sunshine and just relaxing I'm, I'm sure there are and maybe I'll start asking them in the next few interviews <laughs> yeah so, the next, uh, next cup interview <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and did you have luck during a, a pandemic selling your house, Kerry? Oh, well, actually, was very lucky. I sold it literally the week before, signed the contract the week before. So very, very fortunate. And um, I still want to live in the same area. And so now I'm just sitting back and waiting and seeing what's going to happen over the next couple of years. And so, you know, things could change, things might get better, things might get – who knows? It's so unknown at the moment, and mm. that's probably the, the craziest thing. But, you know, all the lessons that we've learned in sport, again, helps us to, you know, navigate through these times, you know, through uncertain times because you really never know which way your sporting career is going to go, especially if you, you know, you dealt with injuries and things like that. Yeah, I guess it's, you know, you know there's always that chance of injury. You know you might not get selected for a team. But who would have picked a worldwide pandemic Mm. would take out the Tokyo Olympics? Do we know when they're rescheduled to? I know there's sort of been talk. Is there actually firm dates or is it still too soon? Yeah, it's exactly a year from when they would have started minus a day, I think. So 24th of July was the start date for this year. Um, that's when we kicked off our series. And then next year, the opening ceremony, I think, is the 23rd of July, 2021. So they're still calling it the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, but in 2021. <laughs> yep. Okay. They will have had a hell of a lot of time to make yeah. sure that opening ceremony is <laughs> yeah, actually on goes point. wrong, it's, they've got no one to blame. <laughs> Exactly. A lot of testing they can do from now till then. (laughs) If you had to choose your favourite Olympics, like I'm just going to say I'm sure it is Sydney, but between Atlanta, Sydney and then Greece, what really stands out in your mind? Well, to be honest, my favourite, and I've got to say this as, you know, let take away the gold medal part from Sydney, but I went to um, London as a commentator with Channel 9 at the time. They had the Olympics. And that was actually my favourite Olympics because being a commentator, you get to sit in the stand live watching all your friends that you've been playing against, you know, the previous 10 years. I was sitting next to one of my best friends. Um, He was also a player of the same Olympics, Julian Prosser, that I did. 
We were both commentating a sport that we love to bits, getting paid for it, staying in incredible accommodation right near, you know, in the heart of London. And then in between all the games, we were just, we had our, our media pass and we were just able to go to every single sport that we could in, you know, in between and enjoy the Olympics from not being an athlete. And so for me, that was one of my most, you know, memorable and favourite experiences of the Olympics, apart from, you know, winning it yeah, <laughs> a of few course. years before. <laughs> yeah, slightly less nerves, I would assume, not actually competing. Oh, no, more nerves. Going live TV for like 30 hours or something like that, okay. the nerves were really pumping. <laughs> You're an absolute all-rounder. Kerry, thank you so much for chatting with us on the Sport of Gardening. And if people would like to get involved with the remainder of the Athlete Story Cuppa of Life events, 7.30 every night, you can jump onto theathletestory.com.au or cuppaoflife.com. We will put the links in the sure show will. notes to this episode. Have a cuppa for us, Kerry, and Make Hopefully. sure you ask our question as well about the gardening. For yeah, the, for the I will interviews. now. Thanks for that. Yeah. I'm always collecting questions. You can't have enough. There you go. Oh, well, hopefully this show is going to continue even when there is more sport than we can even cope with. So we want to know about all those gardening-obsessed Olympians. That's Kerry Pothast, OAM, gold medal-winning beach volleyballer, motivational speaker, a real inspiration. Kerry, if people would like you to chat to uh, them, perhaps get their team motivated, how can we find you? Well, I also have my website, kerrypothouse.com. So you can find me, just Google. Hmm. <laughs> so easy these days. It is, isn't it? Thanks so much for your time and happy gardening, Kerry. Thank you. Hey, don't go anywhere on the sport of gardening. You're with Jane Neild and Dale Vine, and we are going to talk weed foraging and eating in just a moment. You're listening to the sport of gardening with Dale Vine and Jane Neild. Don't Shoot the Messenger with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. Great local tips, books, screen food, recommendations. The week that was. It's just disappointing that this is just an extra issue the AFL and the clubs who are trying to keep the season afloat have to deal with. Imagine if somebody went out and caused a COVID outbreak in one of the hubs. Everything was going well until my dad died when I was 14 and I think anybody who out there who has lost a parent at an early age possibly understands this. Your whole world just comes smashing around you. So I was pretty good at um, being a teenager up until then. I really enjoy and appreciate and no longer take for granted, to be honest, the people I work with. I was a perfect young person. I was incredibly selfish. Never, ever thought about tomorrow, only today. Pretty good at being young. For Red Energy, 100%. Australian electricity and gas. Become best friends with Caro and Corrie. Subscribe and listen today wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Sport of Garden with Dale Vine and Jane Neal. And welcome back to the show. Yes, we've spoken to an Olympian this morning and now it is time to get into the weeds with Adam Grubb, who is the co-author of the Weed Foragers Handbook, along with Annie Razor-Roland. It is a book that I have had in my glove box for the last few years after doing a weed foraging walk mm. once. Adam, welcome to the show. 
Thanks, Jane. Hey, Dale. How are you, mate? I'm pretty good. That's good to hear you've been um, travelling with it, Jane. You might have some expertise, and I've been deep in the world of <laughs> being a bit of a freak, walking around eating wild food and picking it in front of people and feeling a bit weird. You must be somewhere on the spectrum, and Dale, I don't know where you sit. It's the first time for you. I mate, I'm open to it. I'd just, I'd just be very sceptical as to where I would grab my weeds from. I'd need them to be in an area where I know humans hadn't interfered, I think. That is a very good point. There are dangers to this particular sport. Yes, true. <laughs> Which we yeah. also know, like we spoke to the wonderful Alison Pulio on the Sport of Gardening recently about mushroom foraging. So we will acknowledge for a start that you need to talk to experts, you need to do your research and you need to know what you're doing. So we'll get to your top 10 rules for the edible weed appreciator in just a moment. But today I actually brought in some taste testers for Dale. As we mm. chat about this, we want to know why we should be considering weeds, Adam. I was trying to plant spirit and rocket on the weekend. I had to clear all the weeds for a start. Then I had to plant them. Then I put bird cages on them to stop the possums eating it. And then I put pepper around it as an organic way of trying to keep out the pests. And then I looked over and realised there is dandelions, cleavers, stinging nettles, like two metres away. Nothing touches them. Nothing eats them. They just happily thrive in my garden. So why should we consider the weeds, Adam? Funnily enough, that's how I ate my first weed. Yeah, I was weeding my urban garden as an adult 15 years or so ago, and I find weeding really boring, frankly. And I took that boredom and took it inside because I was thinking, I don't even know the name of this plant that I'm pulling up right now. And that seems inconsiderate. At least you should know the name of your enemy before you smite them or something. Yeah, He's more honourable that way. Very true. Um, so I took it inside and I was able to ID it and it was this delicate little wintergreen chickweed. And once I knew its botanical name, which is Stellaria media, I was able to Google it or look it up in this herbal medicine book I had. And I found out it was like, it's totally edible. And it's not just edible, it's like, you know, off the charts in iron and it has all these medicinal uses. Um, so I was like, well, why am I bothering here? <laughs> and uh, I had a taste of it. Right, to be frank, it's like it's a little grassy. <laughs> it's not like... <laughs> I've, I've, we, just, we describe it in the book as tasting a bit like young corn, which is true, but, you know, like grass, essentially. Yep. It's not horrible. It's pretty mild. You know, I'm into eating it as the main thing in a salad bowl these days. But oh, wow. yeah, this stuff that was growing for free actually has more nutrition than a lot of the things I was going to plant next to it. Does a pretty damn good job of taking care of itself. So I started looking into it more and found online resources and, you know, obscure old books and things and ended up like realizing that most of the things that pop up in a patch of disturbed earth, the things that we call weeds, oftentimes you can look down in a patch of, of disturbed earth and there'll be 10 things growing there and anything that's not a grass could be edible and it's often it's like seven out of ten sometimes ten out of ten things just growing there for free incredibly nutritious and a lot of these plants have been following humans everywhere we go around the planet and have histories with human culture going back to the earliest books the ancient herbal books early botanist books and this folklore and mythology and all this stuff around them and we just kind of treat them as this thing to dig up and get rid of but we're kind of wasting this incredible resource when we do that so I went out and plucked some dandelion. Dale, grab the little dandelion yes. leaf there. I want yep. you to have a little taste. I'm going to have a little munch. Oh, she is bitter. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about the dandelion. This could have changed since you wrote um, the book in 2012, but dandelion was mm. tested by the US Department of Agriculture. Where does it rank in terms of nutrition? It's definitely up there. I mean, it depends what you count. There's no hard and fast 
methodology for saying what is the most nutritious plant. But if you if you muck around with a spreadsheet and you can kind of make a leader's board and we would consistently find it, um, no matter how we slice that cake, in the top five vegetables ever wow. tested by the US Department of Agriculture. Frustratingly, kale beats it. It's just oh, so okay. predictable. <laughs> yeah. you, you hate anything that's actually in a supermarket. <laughs> it's just <laughs> Well, you know, I honestly barely buy vegetables from a supermarket because this stuff is just free. It's around us all the time. It's probably more nutritious. It's not, it's not like you'll find wild eggplants or anything, but in terms of greens, yep. uh, there's a huge variety of them, and some of them are fantastic to taste. Did you have a to... taste of the dandelion? Oh, I am just about to have I've a I've just now. passed Dale um, the actual flower head of the dandelion, which has beautiful little oh, yeah. yellow petals. What, so They're you, really you sweet. You just put this in your mouth and mm. eat it, yeah, the flower? <laughs> that's actually really tasty. You yeah. could put that in a salad, couldn't you, Adam? You well, can, that's yeah. actually not the, bad. The dandelion petals go well in a in a salad. The yeah. greens, you know, they are a prized food throughout the world. You know, like uh, horta, the Greek dishes, you know, dandelion is one of the main ingredients. It's a very widespread plant throughout the world, eaten throughout the Mediterranean and Africa and now the Americas and, and here in Australia, um, particularly by, you know, Mediterranean um, immigrants who are like, well, of course I'll eat it. And so you'll see people picking that all over the place. But it is a bitter green. Mm. You've got to get used to those. But like a lot of things that you end up loving, like coffee and beer, they don't taste that great on the first taste because they're bitter, but you end up getting a a taste Mm. for them. And it's worth it because dandelion has got, you know, it's really high in antioxidants. It's kind of across the board, high in in all the vitamins and minerals. We had to actually start editing the phrase more nutritious than spinach out of the book just because we said it too many times. (laughs) And it's, it's one of them. Yep. Yeah, and wow. you can always whack things That's... in a smoothie if you find that the taste is a little bit full on that start. You're getting the nutrition without having to necessarily make a pie. Definitely, and you just pick the youngest, freshest looking leaves if you're going to use them in a salad that are sort of like you know almost glowing with the light green vibrancy, and anything older than that you can cook, and that gets rid of some of the bitterness. Yeah, right. You know, and, and mix it with a little bit of olive oil, lemon juice, salt, and everything tastes good. I can't wait till we're going to have people around our houses again, and then I'm going to I'm going to make them a salad. Um, without telling them all from weeds with dandelion flowers in there and stuff and just serve it up and see if anyone notices. I can't speak to the ethics of that, Dale, but I can <laughs> say that I've done it myself. Yeah. And, um, and notably, like, a couple of times, you know, because you cut things fine, you can't even t- tell what it is. I've had people go, what, what is it with this salad? I think this is literally the best salad I've ever wow. eaten. Wow. And, and then you do the big reveal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but a lot yeah. of the things... It's weeds like, from the garbage can. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you mix in things like chickweed, which are a little innocuous with something like dandelion, which is a bit more bitter, and they sort of balance each other out. And that tends to be, you know, there's some ones that have got a bit, that are a bit more flavoursome, um, but on their own are a bit much. And a mixed salad, yeah, it goes can be fantastic. And you're listening to The Sport of Gardening. Our guest today is Adam Grubb, co-author of The Weed Forager's Handbook, who's trying to convince Dale that there's a whole treasure trove to be found in your backyard. Adam, stay with us. We're going to take a quick break and be back in just a moment on The Sport of Gardening. You're listening to The Sport of Gardening with Dale Vine and Jane Neal. If you love an insightful podcast, Red Energy's podcast lifestyle series is for you. 
cooking. Enjoy Tuesday with Ash Pollard. Really, the people around here truly lived farm to table. I know it's trendy now, but it was necessity back then. The parents, Mum Plus One with Joe Stanley. At the height of coronavirus lockdown, I gave up on all screen time restrictions. Powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy, switch to Aussie-owned Red Energy today. Red Energy's lifestyle podcast available from your podcast provider and the SEN app. Welcome back to the Sport of Gardening with Dale Vine and Jane Neal. You're on the Sport of Gardening and we love exploring new things in the world of gardening here on the show. Something new to Dale Vine is the fact that many people, for centuries in fact, Dale, have eaten edible weeds. Well, weeds... They're really just plants that are growing in the place that we don't particularly want them to be. We are chatting with Adam Grubb, who's the co-author of the Weed Foragers Handbook, about edible weeds. Perhaps you've been overlooking them in your garden. I love things that I know are definitely the plant I'm thinking. Cleavers, as otherwise known as sticky weed, Adam, is one of those ones. It sticks to your clothes. It's really annoying in the garden, but you can't mistake it really for many other things, so you know it's safe to eat. How is it possible that cleavers are listed as being a great diuretic and help to clear cellulite? Why is this not, like, on the shelves? I would have thought people would be, you know, trying to get Rubbing this into cleaver their... cleaver paste into their legs. <laughs> getting and... cleavers into their diet. <laughs> Pliny the Elder, he's like one of the, I think he's like first century herbalist general. He had a few interests, um, but he said <laughs> a potage of a little oatmeal, mutton and cleavers is good to cause lankness and keep from fatness. And, um, Can you translate that for us? <laughs> well, he's just saying basically, yeah, it is good if you want to get rid of the cellulite. And modern science has proved that it is a lymphatic stimulant. Wow. Um, certainly wouldn't hurt if that's one of your I've personal interests. I've got a restaurant to worth get... of cleavers out the back of my joint at the moment. Mm, oh, true. Yeah, so for people that don't know, it is that one with the little, it's got tiny little hooks like Velcro all over it and it will stick to your clothes. So yep. it's not that good on the palate. Mm. It will, um, but what you can do with it is blend it. So you just put it in a blender and you can either make smoothies out of it or you can pesto? turn it into soups. I do both. Yeah, pesto. I mean, yep. even a chunky cut on that one, you'll still get a little bit of the, the hair. So I like to blend it pretty fine. <laughs> yeah. Might have to have a good rinse of mine first. I reckon it'll taste like dog wee. <laughs> yeah, not the best salad dressing nah, that one. But, well, that yeah. leads us to the top 10 rules for the edible weed appreciator. You do need to be careful about where you're picking from. Like you said, you know, the the you know, busloads of people that might go out on a weed foraging tour and you see people on big major highways and I think, "Oh, mm. runoff chemicals." Yeah. So, what's your advice on that, Adam? Oh, I feel like this is a pop quiz, Jane. You're asking me like, I feel like I'm the priest who got pulled up on the Ten Commandments or something. It's like, uh, it's, uh, um, but yeah, thou shalt not um, eat something you don't identify if you're going to put it in biblical terms. Yeah, yep. would be a good one. Yeah, um, that's a, you really like. There are some quite uh, like, like I said, like you know, it's not uncommon to look at a patch of weeds and the vast majority of them are edible, but there are a few that are quite deadly. Um, and so you don't want to mess it up. And there's other ones that you just have a bit of an unpleasant experience. You know, if you screw it up, it might they might be an yeah. irritant or burn your mouth a bit or something. Yeah. So you want to know how to how to identify them um, really well. And there's ways that you can learn that. One of them is to get a copy of the book. Um, we've also got online photos. That's a good way. Um, there's also Facebook groups where you can post your photos and people will help you figure it out. If you're in a place where there's no lockdown or when it ends and get along to a there's various people around the country that run walks and that's one of the best ways of learning because you'll see it in the flesh. 
And yep. be careful about where you're picking from if you don't know whether that land's been sprayed or not. Yeah, that's a good one too. If you're in the city, you kind of actually want to assume that there's a little bit of soil toxicity, even in your own backyard, from lead and stuff. And so any vegetables you grow, it's a good idea to wash them. And, and on top of that, yeah, if you're in a public area, then there could be weed sprays used. So, you know, sometimes we say the safest spot to eat stuff is your own backyard and then just wash it. Yeah, well, you can get to know your local area and I'm always picking from public areas. I I love it because it gets you out into public spaces and, you know, just your walk just becomes a little bit more productive. (laughs) You know, you come home with... A little bounty of uh, weeds to nibble on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get a little bit of that, like, hunter pride. It's not quite a... Hunter pride, I love it. ...back with an elk, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Adam, um, I love it. I think yeah. there's going to be a lot of people interested in sort of refocusing on their garden and perhaps saying, truce, let us just end the war on weeds and actually appreciate them, especially mm. in times with COVID where, you know, we did see moments where supermarket shelves were empty. I was eyeing off the stinging nettles in my backyard, so hopefully I'm not the only one. And great to hear that people can come and do... Well, a weed foraging tour or get onto your website. What's the best way to get more info other than picking up the Weed Foragers Handbook? Where's the website? You can find out more about our walks and the book at the website www.eatthatweed.com. Eatthatweed.com. Adam Grubb, thank you so much for being with us on the Sported Gardening. Dale, I think we've got so many more questions. We're going to have to get him back on again. Way too many more questions. (laughs) What's your favourite weed to eat just quickly, Adam? Uh, Right now it would be sow thistles, which we call milk thistle a lot of time down in Victoria. But um, cooked up, that is delicious. It's crunchy. It's one of those ones, a little olive oil and and lemon juice, and it's going to be magnificent. Cool. Thank you so much, Adam. You've changed our menu for the weekend. (laughs) Dale's going to go and make a weed salad and get back to us. Appreciate your time. Fantastic. Thanks for having me on, Dale and Jane. Hey, Dale, you've got a book recommendation for us I have, and it's not my own, Jane, which is Well, of course, you can get Dale's book. (laughs) Yeah. uh, No, this is a book that I, um, Sophie's bought because she's doing, she changes up the homeschooling um, thing with seasons and months as well, um, just to keep the kids uh, entertained, mainly Van, because he's the eldest. And um, she changed it to um, a botany type one at the moment. So she's got all books about trees and flowers and all things botany. So she bought this book and I've been reading it to Van um, as one of his bedtime stories. And so how old's Van? Five. Okay. Yep. Um, and I was literally, it's, it's a children's book, so it's beautifully illustrated, but it's, it's got a lot of facts in there. So, um, but this has actually blown me away. Like I've been reading three pages of this to him each night and there's information about trees in here that I had no idea about and thought was awesome. So it's called The Magic and Mystery of Trees written by Jen Green. Um, and it's unreal. It's got... I'll just, for instance... Can you read me a little bit, please, Yeah, I'll flip to a little part that blew my mind, Jane. So it's saying that in in dense populated forests and and bushland and stuff of trees, trees actually communicate to each other um, a lot more than we thought they did. So, you know, on the movie... um, Avatar, I suppose, where they all worship the tree that, Mm. um, you know, it speaks to everybody and all that sort of stuff. So trees are doing that sort of thing with themselves um, all the time. So it's got tree sensors in here, um, what they sort of do. Um, If a pest is eating um, a tree, they'll they'll release a chemical into their leaves and and make that 
um, leaf then tastes sour, so it stops eating um, and ruining their wow. their foliage. So it's all sorts of cool stuff, and, and there's lots more than you think. So um, also there's a bit about giraffes here where um, giraffes obviously eat a lot of the, the top um, leaves out of trees wherever giraffes live, and um, those trees then um, send out a scent to the other trees around them um, to make them know that there's there's a giraffe in the area what? eating, and then they'll just start releasing these chemicals into their leaves before the giraffe gets to them. So it starts eating, and then the the giraffe will have to walk for like kilometres to find trees that don't taste sour and gross. So but they can sneak up. Yeah, on. so they're really cool. They're like, um, oh. yeah, fully communicating to each other. If a tree gets sick in a dense populated forest or something of trees. If one tree's sick, the other trees that'll have roots intertwined with them and stuff will then feed them extra bits of their nutrients and food to try and pep it back up and get it healthy wow. again. Because if one tree goes down in a in a dense populated area, then obviously more sunlight and wind can get in and damage more other trees. So and it's really species, yeah, it's really yeah. really cool. It's a a book that's sort of made for kids, but I'm reading it going, oh, my God, I'm learning more than I did at uni for a year and a half. So, yeah, it's really cool. And is it easy enough for Van to understand for a yeah. kid's book? Well, because it's so beautifully illustrated, as you can see, I'll just hold it up, Jane. Um, yeah, everything makes sense. And um, if you just explain it a little bit to them as you're reading it, then... Yeah, it blows the kids' minds as well as your own, so it's really cool. I love that. So a kids' book recommendation that even the adults in the family are going to learn a lot from, The Magic and Mystery of Trees, the author was? Jen Green. Fantastic. Available in all good bookstores. We hope I'll, uh, I'll hunt it down. And yeah, put the hunt link. it online. You'll find it somewhere. Yep. <laughs> we'll put the link in the show notes. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you on the show today, Dale. And thank you so much to your wife, Sophie, who... Uh, uh, she loves the radio. <laughs> you know, she'd get her on any time, Jane. She's keen as mustard. I think you're lying because I think she was a little <laughs> bit nervous. But it's always nice to hear about how you've been doing at home. And <laughs> yes. No, she does a great job there, so... Intriguing to hear about the experience that you guys had on the block a couple of years ago. Don't forget, you can get Dale's book wherever good books are sold. <laughs> just get it. <laughs> Even get it while you're looking uh, outdoor, looking for that book that Dale just recommended. Of course, it's called Dale Vine's Outdoor Reno Guide Transform Your Garden on Any Budget. Loads of really practical tips. And, you know, a lot of people, we have to say, we're thinking of everyone. We're lucky enough to be in here doing a podcast and a radio show, but so many people doing it tough around the country. Yeah. You're wanting to get things looking better, but you do need to do it on a budget. So That's right. Yeah, perfect book for that. You might as well be doing something if you're going to be at home, so why not get out there and put it to good use? And if you are one of the lucky gardeners around the country listening to us who is in the garden, possibly at your friend's place, maybe even on a holiday or out on a road trip, we envy you. And we hope it is not too long before Victoria can uh, get its act together and we can be back out there again. We'll talk to you next week. You're listening to The Sport of Gardening with Dale Vine and Jane Neal.